Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Hey, what's up? Blazer fans, welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. You can find us on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tara, and I am joined, as usual, by blog boy, Blazer's Outsider, Danny Meringue. Wow. We're going to work on these titles. Just... What, would you, what would you prefer to be called, oh, Danny? Man, it's just, oh, there's just too many to count now. The possibilities are endless, really, aren't they? I'll tell you what I'll call you. Oh, God. All right. So did you survive three days of no NBA? How did you pass the time? Um, spent a long time with my girlfriend. That was pretty much it. She, she was glad to see me. So uh, I, I, I got out. Of, she was like, uh, I remember you. Yeah, I got out of basketball playoff mode for a couple of days, which was kind of weird. The sun, the sun actually came out. I don't know if those two things are you know linked or anything, but uh yeah, pretty much just kind of hung out for a few days. This has been the slowest time of the year for me so far. How about you? Uh, let's see. I watched a lot of that TV show Nashville. I got that from the library, and that's pretty much what I've been watching instead of basketball. Oh, you really miss <laughs> so it, don't pro- you? <laughs> so it's probably a good thing that basketball is back. But, you know, now we're d- we're down to that where it's just a trickle. And pretty soon, well, I think we're still in a daily game mode pretty much from here on out but then it's going to go down to the every other day and it's just it's just going to get bleak so we're, we'll we'll push through this though and amazingly the blazers have provided with us with a a couple of things to talk about despite the fact that we are in day what like 400 of the off season for the blazers yeah, is, uh... <laughs> when was the last time they played i don't even know i can't even think back that far one thing that came out in the news recently in um, in an article that was not really about the Blazers, but it was about uh, LaMarcus, and we learned that last summer when LaMarcus was struggling and trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his role with the Cavs, we found out that LaMarcus called Damian Lillard about returning to the Trailblazers. Now, what do you think of this news? What was your first reaction when you heard this news? Oh, wow. That was a year and a half too late, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, that, that was honestly, that was my immediate reaction. Like, God, there, there's so many things to take from this. One, the fact that LaMarcus was able to get past it. I, I never thought that would happen. Two, that he actually reached out to Damien um, to come back here. You know, if you really kind of piece that up or take that apart, he wanted to leave the golden franchise in San Antonio to come back to Portland. So I don't, think things are quite as great there as everyone says they are currently. Obviously, you've got the mm-hmm. Kawhi situation going on as well. Uh, I don't know. It's just there's just so much. <laughs> I mean, revisionist history. Lamarcus figures this out a year and a half ago, two years ago, and we don't have the summer of 2016. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you've got Dame, CJ, and Lamarcus, and I think you're not questioning who your third guy is. Then that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just. And you've got all your money tied up in them. 
Yeah, and having your money right. tied up in those guys is much much more palatable than, than the way it currently sits. Um, I mean, how hard is it really to, to fill out the roster then? I mean, you know, are we talking about a championship? Mm, probably not. Are you in a Western Conference Finals bid? Yeah, probably. But, I mean... I almost wish LaMarcus wouldn't, like, the, obviously this is, wasn't made public by LaMarcus. I almost wish whoever reported this hadn't reported it. Because it just, it, it just kind of opens up old wounds, at least for me. Well, so my first reaction when I heard this, my first reaction was, who threw LaMarcus under the bus about this? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't even think about all the other implications, but the fact that somebody would share that... You know, not e- it's not even just that uh, – I think you talked about this on The Outsiders. It's not just that um, my people will call your people and we'll have them talk. This was reported as the two of them actually talking. Yeah, and if so, you think about that, the leak had to come from one of them or one of their camps. Right, and I'm trying to think of what the advantage of that would have been like, would, is it just to make LaMarcus look weak now? Like what's, what's even the point of that? Like, haven't we all moved on from that? Yeah. Or is it really genuinely because people are looking at the Portland roster going, Hmm, maybe if we could shake things up a little bit and we could start a few rumors, then it would be more likely that the Blazers, you know, might make some moves. I mean, if I wanted to play devil's advocate here and this is going way out on a limb, Play conspiracy theorists. It's the summertime. Yeah, I mean, one of the thoughts that I had was that it would it would have come from Damien's camp if it was coming from one of their two camps. And that's to make Damien look better, to make him look like a leader. And I'm not saying this is from Damien by any way, shape, matter, form, or even his camp. Mm-hmm. But it makes him look better. It makes the team look more desirable. It makes San Antonio a less palatable-looking place. Um, and it also makes LaMarcus look like the second-tier guy. I mean, in no way, shape, matter, form does this, from that standpoint, do anything negative to Damian Lillard. If anything, it puts him on a pedestal. Uh, and when, while it makes LaMarcus look like, you know, he was being petty. And on the underlying surface, I, I, I want to believe that the, really this report is coming out because somebody's still irritated about LaMarcus leaving. Now, whether Dame talked to somebody and that person or their camp said leak this, um, I, I don't entirely know, obviously, but yeah, it's just, it just, it reeks of NBA petty. <laughs> so you did a poll though. I mean, so we got NBA petty, but I'm wondering about the fan reaction. You did a poll and you asked fans if they would welcome LaMarcus back. What was the, uh, the result of the poll? It ended up being, I think somewhere around 70, 30, that they would welcome him back. I had a lot of. Did that surprise you? Yeah, because I, I still know the vitriol is out there. I actually figured it would be uh, less in Lamarcus's favor, but there's still a few people that believe that um, Lamarcus isn't vilified; that he'd be welcome back with open arms. And I think, if anything, the poll at least shows that there's still some strong dislike for Lamarcus. Like when he comes back into town, he's still going to get booed. He's not Raymond Felton. But he's not being welcomed back like, you know, like Travis Outlaw or Jared Jack or something like that. You, know you what I mean? can't even put the two of them in the same sentence. That's not a fair comparison. No, you, it's not. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying he's, it's, not <laughs> like he, it's not like he's Raymond Felton or anything. I mean, there's no, they're nowhere even close. But he's not being welcomed back with open arms either. So it's just – it's a really, really weird situation. Like, I, it's, it's kind of cool to know that Marcus finally did, you know, have some second thoughts about it. Um but, I mean, to me, it reads kind of like an ex-lover 
You know, someone's a little jaded. You don't want to. You want to go back. The pastures weren't as green as you thought they were on the other side. Mm-hmm. But the, the other part of that is like, I could just, just, I don't want to know. Because <laughs> yeah. this, this, the way this team is currently structured could have been completely different had he made a different decision. So it, it's to me ultimately it ends, up, ends up just being a bummer. What does your team look like if he's still here? Um. I think you'd see more role players that are that are more specialized. Um, they probably wouldn't have had Ed Davis. Probably not Ed. You probably don't hand out the contracts to Myers, Harkless, and Turner. And Crab might still be. I bet Aminu be, still comes. I, I would I would assume Aminu's still there. Um, you probably still have Robin Lopez. You probably don't do the move for Nurkic. Um Obviously, the draft picks after that, you're in a better position, so you're probably not picking up those assets. So you're probably a little bit more top-heavy, but you, you probably spread the money around a lot better, too. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, having again, having your money tied up in Dame, CJ, and LaMarcus would probably be a lot better than uh, the current standing. You, you could have you seen them go somewhere else, for this, particularly the forward positions. Um, yeah. Fill out the roster a little bit better. What would be some of the ways that the the actual uh, basketball product would be different? Um, the focal point, because I mean, right now, you can give the ball to Dame or CJ, and they, they can go get points. But how many guys? And this is something we talked about a million times. How many guys are are a mismatch positionally? Lamarcus can be that. He can step out and hit threes. He can go to work on almost anybody in the post. Um, you would have two of the best mid-range shooters in the league in CJ and LaMarcus. So it, it, it changes the way defenses have to defend you. Um, a pick and roll with LaMarcus is much more dangerous and much much more versatile than it is with Yusuf Nurkic. The, the, the options for the offense definitely change. The points of attack change. Um, how defenses have to scheme uh, the coverage. I mean, pick and roll, pick and pop, pick and dive, uh, pick and short roll. Um, the ball movement that that's much, much more uh, palatable uh, because it's in the hands of somebody who can be multifaceted with it at, at all times. So do you think they would have matched up better against the Pelicans if they'd had LaMarcus? Because oh God, on, yes. on the one hand, but on the one hand, LaMarcus is kind of a throwback. I mean, isn't he, doesn't he play pretty old school? Yep type of basketball from the post, you know, back, 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 back it down, turn around, shoot. I mean, he's not as, how does that match up against somebody like Anthony Davis? I mean, you don't match up with Anthony Davis. He, he does what he does, but with LaMarcus, he's also able to work in the mid range. He's also, and this is something I think was overlooked in his time here in Portland was that he's one of the best um, pick and roll defenders and or bigs in the league on the switch. Like people really, really overlooked that in this time here. He's been phenomenal in San Antonio at it with and without Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's, that's now, a is, huge change. Is the, is, is uh, uh, Mar- LaMarcus, is what made LaMarcus successful or what makes him successful? Is it a combination of his body type and his style of play? And if so, do the Blazers have anybody in the wings like that? Or they, have they just moved on to a completely different style of basketball where they wouldn't need somebody like that? I mean, LaMarcus is unique. I mean, he's a seven-footer who is incredibly strong. People still think of LaMarcus as the skinny kid from Texas. He's 270 pounds. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's a big dude. Yeah, uh, he hasn't been small for a long time. 
No, but he still thought of that way because of the way he plays, and it's kind of finesse. But, I mean, you, if you talk to any of the, the bigs in the league, you don't want to sit there and bang with him all night long. He'll, he'll, work, he'll wear you out. Um, I don't think Portland has anybody really like LaMarcus because there's not many guys like LaMarcus in, in the league's history. Um, Collins could kind of be that in his switchability defensively, but strength-wise, uh-huh. he's nowhere even close. Size-wise, he's not close. Height, length, he's there. Uh, mobility and foot speed. Well, we just there. said that Lamarcus was very, very skinny when he first came in. Maybe I don't. I mean, I don't <clears> think Zach, Zach Collins, Collins has is the... getting that big. He, he's <laughs> taking those trips to Germany we were talking about. Because Lamarcus got massive here. Nobody foresaw yeah. Lamarcus getting that big here. I think everybody assumed that LaMarcus would be like 235, 240 at his biggest. More more Marcus Camby than, than DeMarcus Cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You like that? LaMarcus, Marcus, DeMarcus? Yeah, very clever. Yeah. Very yeah. clever, Dan. You're really on your on your game. Well, I want to move on and talk about another big man. Um, the big man who probably used to go up against LaMarcus Aldridge in practice every day. And that is Myers Leonard, because there was also a recent article written by Carrie Ayers of um, uh, Tribune, right? Or no, he's yep. Colombian. No, nope, Portland Tribune. You got it. A Tribune. Okay, I was totally blanking there for a sec. Sorry. Carrie Eggers of the Tribune wrote a column about how it's tri- time to trade Myers Leonard. So it's kind of time to talk about Myers. Um, you and I both have enjoyed him as a person. We both like what he has brought in terms of he's always done what is asked of him and he's present and he's a good teammate and he does all, all these things. He even has a lot of skills, but he's never been able to put them together on the floor in the way that Blazer fans have wanted him to. Kerry Ager's argument is that it's time to trade Myers, and he thinks that the Blazers would be able to find somebody to work with for such a trade. What do you think realistically could happen with Myers, would happen with Myers? Where do we go from here? I mean, first of all, anybody who's not familiar like I love Myers, like as a person, one of my favorite dudes ever. Uh, I've I've had the opportunity to talk to him a, a couple times. The dude is as real and genuine as it gets, and that's why his teammates love him. Um, the basketball stuff, though, it just hasn't been able to come together. And Carrie, whether it's Carrie, whether it's Jason Quick, whether it's Mike Richmond, Joe Freeman, they'll all tell you the same thing. The dude is just. A saint. He gives the best interviews possible. He's a, a fantastic human being. And every one of them would say the same thing, that they just want to see the guy do well. And the, ultimately, when it always comes back to when I'm talking to anybody about, the, about him, is that he just needs a fresh start. The problem here is his contract. Um, realistically, it's not getting moved unless it's attached to C.J. McCollum or a first-round pick. Or Portland is taking back a, another contract that's as bad, if not worse. So the viable basketball alternatives are very, very limited. So in in the third year, he's entering the third year of his four year contract. So he's got two years. And his yep. fourth is is his, do you know off the top of your head is his fourth year a player option or is it just four years no, straight I, up? I believe the fourth is guaranteed. I cannot sidebar. I cannot believe how many player option contracts people handed out that summer. I don't. Did anybody hand out a team option? <laughs> that, the, the summer, I swear did. to God, every time I, I, I swear it's all player options. Player, they were just, they yeah, were his, just his hand them, hand them out. 
Okay. So guaranteed. So anyway, entering the third year of that $10 million, maybe he's almost to 11 right now. Um, there's, there's quite a few players out there nowadays making $10 million. I mean, a lot more than were three years ago. I mean, you know what I mean? Like every year, a few more people come on with that. So do you really think that there's no possible way that there could be a trade, let's call an even trade as opposed to a, we need to bail out of this kind of trade. Do you really think that like no team who's building team who wants a good solid vet who maybe values all of that in him more than his on the field performance? I mean, does anybody even have enough cap space that they could make a move with that? You know, that kind of a nice to have luxury type move. No, not really. Um, Nobody's left that has enough to play around with. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's just, it sucks to be honest um, for mm-hmm. Portland and for um, for Myers. Uh, they're just kind of in a weird, wonky space right now. Um, like I, I'm just looking around the league right now, and it's just, it's nuts when you when you take into consideration like what exactly um, top flight centers are making. I mean, the the only guys that are really making more than Myers... It's such a rough market for centers right now anyway. I mean, if you look at the guys... It's going to be a rough market for centers. If you look at the guys that are making at or commensurate value of Myers or more, Vucevic, Miles Plumley, (laughs) Get that bag, Miles. Ooh. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Marcin Gortat, Tyson Chandler, Mason Plumley, Gorgie Jang, Mozgov, Valanciunas, Tristan Thompson, Mahinmi, Biombo, Noah... And then you start getting into the big boys, Cousins, Cantor, Gobert, Adams, those guys. So, I mean, that, that middle area is just full of bad contracts with Noah, Biombo, Mahinmi, Mozgov, Jang, both Plumleys. I mean, I don't know. I I, I guess for in, in a lot of – for, uh, for some of those, I, I couldn't see Myers uh, being detrimental – as a trade to one of those teams. I mean, you know, some of those other guys aren't doing anything anyway. And, no, you know, when Myers... That's probably your best case scenario is hoping that one of these teams wants to swap and each team gets a player that's more rejuvenated out of it. I mean, that's really yeah. what, what yeah, you're hoping for. That's the thing. Well, so our... Uh, our uh, our uh, friend Olivia, who listens to the podcast, shout out Olivia. She had some questions about Myers. She's also a big fan of Myers Leonard and um, would love to see him get more time on the court. And her question was, what can Myers do to get on the court? Like, what does he need to do next season in order to earn playing time? Like, I mean, say it's trust. You waved a magic wand. What does he have to do? I mean, it's 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 one thing, and it's trust. His coaches and his teammates need to be able to trust in him that he's going to deliver what he needs to deliver, that he's going to make the right decisions when when it comes time. And the thing is about Myers is I think ultimately, more often than not, he makes the right decision. It's that he's delayed with it. Mm-hmm. it, it it's just a second too slow or a half yeah. a second or a millisecond. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference in the NBA. And I think that it's, it's at a point, at least here in Portland, where – Every decision he makes, bad or good, is, is scrutinized to an exorbitant level. Um, mm-hmm. People are looking for him to make mistakes and looking for him to succeed. You know, it's, it's almost like when he's able to, like, really, when he does something, you can see all the Myers defenders, and I'm one of them. 
really celebrated because we want to see him do well. Um, and the same thing for the ones that want to see, you know, Myers struggle. You know, they, uh-huh. they celebrate every single mistake. And the only way to be able to get past that around that is to get out there and deliver consistently. I mean, if he can do that, then he's a bargain at $10 million. I mean, the average salary for... A, but a, so how do you... No, go ahead. Well, does it... Ha- does it have to do with building trust in practice or does it have to do no, with, games. okay, I'm going to send you out there. Yeah, I mean, you have to do it. And if he like doesn't he, do it, then boom, he's pulled. Basically. Yeah. Like he, his leash is mm-hmm. so short right now. Like, these guys have all been around Myers long enough to know what he's capable of doing, mm-hmm. whether he's doing it in practice or, or doing shoot arounds or, or wherever in summer camps, you know, at pickup games it, for him, it's just a matter of being able to make it happen on the court. If he can deliver mm-hmm. there, he can really help this team. I mean, he offers something to this team that, you know, they really don't have a lot of them. We've had, again, a million times. Positional versatility. There's just not a lot of that out there. So mm-hmm. um, for them to be able to, or for him to be able to kind of put that together, he's got to find a way to deliver consistently. And he, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's the hole he's dug, but it's, it's the position that he's in. That's just the way he's going to mm-hmm. have to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, we shall see what happens. <laughs> um, another piece of news that broke that doesn't necessarily directly have to do with Portland, but a lot of people in Portland had their eyes on it. Dwayne Casey is out in Toronto. So we talked, about, we touched on this um, recently. What does that mean for the Blazers? Is uh, Stotts any safer knowing that Dwayne Casey is out and Stotts is still in, or are things? do you think are still uh, in flux? I think at this point, this was kind of the shoe that I was waiting to, the other shoe I was waiting to drop um, was whether or not Dwayne Casey got fired. I know when I said this a couple of weeks ago that if Cleveland swept the, the Raptors, Casey would lose his job. I had a bunch of people say, and it's, there's no way that's happening. They just franchise record wins, made it to the second round. Uh, DeRozan was a MVP consideration. <laughs> All of these things. I'm coach like, of the year. Yeah, coach of the year. Like, it, it, listen, folks, it, it doesn't matter. Like, it, you could just get the, the feeling from the organization that was what was going to happen. Um, you had Masai Ujiri going into the locker room, apparently, after game three and giving uh, Casey an earful for not uh, doubling LeBron, I believe it was. Um, Casey's not without blame, but it's just – it's a cutthroat business for, for certain – uh, now that it's been a few days, though, uh, and we haven't heard anything about Stotts, I think he may be safer at this point because mm-hmm. I think the the executives around the leagues around the league are, are going to want to put their coaches in place here pretty quickly. Um, we've seen yeah, a couple been of starting them, to yeah, they're, they're getting scooped up. Um, Okay, so I went to a really dark place with this one. Oh, I was goody. I I, I know. I thought you would like this. <laughs> this this is like the little bit of evil in me that you occasionally get a glimpse of of like, you know, on the surface I am all smiles and charms, but I have some just evil intentions sometimes. Would it would it would would somebody be so petty as to hold on to a coach long enough so that all the other good positions got snapped up? before they then decided to release their coach. Now I am not saying oh, that things got bad enough between the management and a coach. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely but say could... you got mad at the coach because everybody else was mad at you. 
and you wanted to teach them a lesson. I don't know why that would be a good lesson to teach, but like, is there a precedent for that level of pettiness in the uh, oh, GM front and coaches, offices? Yeah, no, GM and coaches have done this kind of thing before. Um, when, Can you recall they, some juicy ones? Uh, I want to say there was one in Sacramento. Um, God. Had I looked this up, I would have been able to pull a couple. Cause I, I, I can think of them off the top of my head, but I can't think of the names. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, but front offices have have been known to do something like that yeah, before. Not, I mean, I wouldn't need to think anything like that might be going on. But no, and, and the thing is, I, I wouldn't think that was going on in Portland anyways because they're the both Neil O'Shea and Terry Stotts are both represented by the same man. Oh, so, that's right. They have they're they're both represented by the most powerful agent in the NBA right now. I mean, it's the same guy that runs the Las Vegas Summer League. He's kind of the godfather of agents. So that would get way more complicated if that's what. what yeah, the, exactly. The and, and if you're going to do something like that, you're basically you're essentially blacklisting yourself to a certain group. Uh, and with that, see, that's why I wouldn't be good at being evil, Dan. Yeah. I don't think these things through. Yeah, you, you you have to remember that you you can nuke a bridge. It's just not like it hasn't happened. Uh, you just can't go back over it. Yeah, and that's the thing is, you know, if you think the players are petty, it doesn't just stop with them. I mean, it, it, coaches and GMs and owners, they can all do it too. So it wouldn't be the first time we've heard of something like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a case here in Portland. Um, I think that that, that Olshan Stotts probably believe that they're, that they're joined at the hip. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't expect well, too much different there. On, on the days where I'm not thinking evil thoughts, I go to the happy place, which is looking at places. the. Pro- <laughs> Wait, did you did you just say what I think you said? Happy places. You just said you love happy places. Yeah, that's that's where you put all your misery, right? So you can be happy. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that we've 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 visited your happy place before, Dan. But we'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But it's a scary I, now you've got place. me off my game. I can't remember what I was thinking about. I should accomplish. <laughs> you totally derailed me. Oh, oh, I know. So the Blazers over the last few years, they've been out of the front office. They've been preaching that, you know, it's a pro it's a, it's not, well, they haven't been saying it's a process, but we need to be patient. And I've said before that I think Terry Stotts is one of the most patient coaches on earth. They struggled and then got their offense together and then they came together and they figured out how to play defense without their, but their, their offense struggled towards the end of the season. They started to figure out how to put their offense and defense together. And I like to think that next year on top of playing offense and defense together, then they'll figure out the extra step they need to take to make it farther in the playoffs. And mm. the only way they're going to do that is with the consistency of somebody like Terry Stotts, who again is the, the most patient man on earth and they, they just, you know, keep plugging forward and they, without being able to make, you know, big ground making moves. If you look at it, they've been consistent and they're consistent in, in, consistent you know, in remaining the focused on this. Yes. <laughs> but no, and focus and growing um, steadily and adding new things and, you know, putting it together. They have gotten better every year when you, I mean, don't you think they have gotten better every year? Not by leaps no. and bounds. You don't think they've gotten better every year? No. You don't think they're better this year than they were last year, I think even with their improved defense? I think they're basically the same team. 
I mean, there's been the only real change in this team has been Damian Lillard going from star to superstar. And that's worth probably. But what about their defense? Is that because Damian went from star to superstar or was, I mean, there's more going on in their defense than just Damian going from star to superstar. Yeah. It's called caring. I mean, that's so really isn't that an improvement? Is that not an improvement? Not enough to, to, for, at least for me to justify keep, keeping this group together. Like I, I just don't, okay. I don't understand that. Um, I'm just saying they're not going backwards. No, <laughs> but sometimes you need, sometimes you need to go backwards to go forwards. Right. But they have been consistent in saying that they are not going backwards. They are steadily building. Well, you got to sell something when you're stuck in the same place. Well, at least they've been consistent about it. Mm. (laughs) Happy place, Dan. Yeah, consistent messaging is what I want. (laughs) Well, speaking of blowing it up, (laughs) uh, CJ McCollum has been all over the place since the Blazers were out of the playoffs. He's Suddenly got he his free podcast dropping. He's on Fox Sports. He's on ESPN. He's all over the place. Most recently, he was on First Take, talking with Max Carol- Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith. And they, of course, asked him about breaking up him and Dame, which I think is kind of weird to ask the player, like, should we break you two up? Like, did that strike you as an odd question to ask a player? I mean, no. I mean, it's, no. it's the one question I think that if you talk about Portland outside of Portland, they're like, oh, hey, Damian Lillard, or hey, they should break up Damian CJ, or they shouldn't. Like, those are the two most common talking points that anybody I talk to about the Portland Trailblazers outside the immediate market. Um, but what's CJ going to say? Yeah, trade me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's just a weird question. Well, the thing is, like, when you say break them up, like, he, everybody knows that if the breaking up is going to occur, he's the one out. So what's he going to say? Yeah, trade me and, you know, send me to basketball purgatory in Phoenix or Orlando or Memphis or someplace ridiculous like that. Like, he's not going to say that. He doesn't want who wants to go to those places. I mean, those are the, the, the likely destinations that I've always heard are um, Milwaukee, Orlando. Um, I, I've heard Memphis kick and Phoenix kicked around for draft picks, but I, I just don't think that. McCollum's going to pull McCollum or a package of McCollum and Collins in the first is really enough to pull a top three pick in this draft. That's how crazy this draft is. But, um, I mean, yeah, he's not going to say that. He, I mean, <laughs> so why ask him? I just think it's a weird question to ask. Oh, I mean, but anyway, well, the thing is like, just look at how CJ interacts on social media lately. Like he's, he's been a little feisty. Ask the question, mm-hmm. see if he gets a little feisty. I mean, that's yeah. their job. That's their job. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of yelling on that show. I don't yes. usually watch First Take. Yeah, no, you're not missing there, anything. There's there's a lot of yelling. But anyway, CJ said that uh, if they traded, it would be a lateral move, and he doesn't think that Blazers would improve it. Sounds like you might you agree with that. I don't think necessarily it would be a lateral move because we're not we're not talking about like how can you say it's a lateral move when you don't know what the return is? Oh, I didn't say it. CJ said but it. That's, that's, Do you that's agree what I'm with saying? him? No, hell no. Like that's why I'm, I was talking like the the idea like of it being a lateral move. He is like, well, I don't want to get traded. I can't control yeah. where I'm traded to. Like, what? How do you know it's a lateral move? Like, what? What if a team decides that they're going a different direction with their star? Is is that now a lateral move? Yeah. What do you think he meant by lateral move? Do you think that he He's meant just like? It. 
nobody's going to get any more wins. No, you're, you're not. You're not going to get any better than, than what you have with me. Like I'm going to be that guy. He's he's keeping his stock mm-hmm. high. You say you couldn't get anybody any better than me. For me, I don't even know if it was f- for me. I think it's more of like you're not getting anybody better than me. Mm-hmm. Like. Really? Uh, not to say that it would happen, but let's say that same package. C.J. Collins in a first um, for Kawhi Leonard. Is, is 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 that a lateral move? No. Not for Portland. Hell no. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the idea that, you know, everything is a lateral move, it, it, I mean, if you just take the, the, the person out of it, you could put Neil Olshay right there. Like you could almost hear Neil Neil O'Shea like when CJ was talking. That's totally what I was thinking. Yeah. Is is it okay for us to say that out loud? Yeah. I mean that's <laughs> it, it, it's company line. I mean I wouldn't he, be surprised if if they had when CJ goes to these things he's probably understanding that these questions are coming so he's going to have something prepared right and it's going to match no, the yeah, company he, line. He sticks to his talking points and his talking points are like you were just sitting at a blazer uh front office press conference he really sticks to him i was like wow that's mm-hmm. that's amazing i mean that's a professional uh, journalist right there that's, that's how they handle it. it well is that a professional journalist or is that i, I mean journalists well, aren't supposed to come out with talking say, points no so let me, somebody let me put else this talk way. someone who understands what it's like to be a professional right. journalist and prepares accordingly yeah someone who's prepared because they know what a journalist would would come at him with yeah, no, I, it's it's just weird with the, uh, you know, right now there's a lot of players showing up on all of these different shows. You know, Oladipo's been on the jump, I think, a few times. And, you know, these players who are no longer playing are and who are interested in trying out some, you know, broadcast time, they're all starting to show up to, you know, make commentary and stuff. CJ's just so polished, and yes, he has the the journalism background. He's just so polished that he, it's almost like he's coming off as like a PR representative rather than a journalist. And maybe that's just because he's the one who's usually answering the questions rather than asking the questions. But I don't know. No, CJ's, uh, CJ's professional in that matter. Like he he absolutely unequivocally knows what he's saying, how he's saying it, and why he's saying it. Everything he does is measured. Whether or not you, you look at that as a positive or negative, he when he says something, I tend to believe that that there's always a, a, an intent behind it. He chooses his words very wisely. Um, there, there's definitely a place for that in the league. Like, I mean, if you're if you're trying to market yourself, build yourself, brand yourself a certain way, I mean, he's kind of establishing how you do that. I mean, how how hard is it to believe that C.J. McCollum is going to be hosting uh, NBA on ESPN in ten years? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, no, I mean he's he's setting himself up for that, and yeah. he's smooth. So he he understands what he's doing out there, um, and and I get, I don't blame him, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the one thing in there that, that like irked me, kind of come back to it, is the lateral move. Like that's that to me kind of reeks of protectionism. Like he's protecting his, his own butt at all costs there. Kind mm-hmm. of building himself up uh, in the process. So that part of it kind of made me roll my eyes. But um, the other part of it, I mean, I don't think any other player is going to behave differently in, unless the situation is dire. Like if he's trying to force a trade. Like let's mm-hmm. go back a year and imagine that was Kyrie. Mm-hmm. 
what do you, Stephen A. Smith, do you and LeBron need to be split up? And he'll go on about some flat earth theory, some ridiculousness. <laughs> and then like through some form of philosophy, he'll talk about uh, one part is greater than the other, yin and yang and hashtag woke. And then somehow he'll, he'll throw in some subtext, you know, BS about how he's better than LeBron. I mean, those, that, that's that's the difference between somebody who's constantly measuring and marketing themselves versus somebody who's Kyrie. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know any other way to explain it other than like hashtag Kyrie. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. that's, that's really. No, that like, that I, was an interesting way to think about it, though. Like, well, what? how would he have answered that question? To get on a Kyrie tangent, if you ever want to play a fun game. Um, do you know the movie Watchmen? Not well. Okay. Big blue dude. But I'm sure our listeners Doc, do, so yeah, go ahead. Big blue dude, Dr. Manhattan, basically becomes like next to a god, and he waxes philosophical all the time. And there was somebody on Twitter, I think a year ago, um, did a, uh, is this a Dr. Manhattan or Kyrie quote? And you really couldn't <laughs> tell the difference between the two. And it was just, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a fun game to play. Is this a Kyrie or Dr. Manhattan quote? Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's been scarce, you know, because he missed the last part of the season. So we haven't really gotten a lot of uh, our fill of Kyrie. But speaking oh, of no, Kyrie, I've, I've and we're just fill. nailing the transitions tonight, Dan. Whoop. Speaking of Kyrie, the Cavs and the Celtics played this afternoon, and it was a rout of the Cavs, game. which ugly surprised game. me. Did it surprise you? Well, no. Uh, Yes and no. Um, I, I think it's time to stop underrating the Celtics and talking about how this is just some glorious run. It's all the coach. Yeah, yeah, Brad Stevens is a great coach. But it turns out Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are really good players. Like, who knew? Yeah, they <laughs> really are. I mean, they've well, been, and Al Horford. Oh, Al Horford. Oh, well, to me, I is... go by Horford is like people that don't under Snotty Drift and James Hollis, Celtics fan. He says this all the time on Twitter. I, he goes, when I am not sure if somebody's, like, how good somebody's basketball takes will be or what their basketball knowledge is, I ask them what they think about Horford. And that answer alone will kind of tell me how much basketball they watch. Because Horford yeah. is just that guy. He's a winner. He gets it done. He's just kind of a jack of all trades. He's a hell of a leader. Right place, right time. He's just one of those guys that you love to have on your team because – he can just kind of do it all. Um, he's not going to put yeah. up gaudy stats, but he's going to deliver every night. Everybody looks at his box score stats. It's like, look at the plus minus tonight. I mean, plus minus for him was plus 17. And he's taking on the task of guarding LeBron James. I well, mean, and he's what, what, why Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have more freedom to do what they do best. Yeah. You know, they don't have to pay attention to the stuff, the, all, all the little stuff, because Horford's paying attention to the details. So they yeah, can the, do the big way, picture stuff, I guess. And then you, you take his basketball acumen and pair that with Brad Stevens, and then you put a bunch of stupidly athletic dudes around him in Brown, Long. Morris, Tatum, Smart, Rogier, Semi, I mean, Yabusele. I mean, I want more Yabusele. Yeah, no, <laughs> I hate the Celtics, but I want more Yabu in my life. Yeah, I do. L I love him. Long live the big butts. Let, let, them, let them all thrive. Um, but, you I mean, you, you throw those guys out there and they, they're just dogs who can switch across the board and get after you. Like, when you look at that, that team, positionally, how many two-way players do they have? 
Jalen Brown, Marcus Morris, Al Horford, Jason Tatum. Smart's the, the non-shooter, but I think offensively his, his tenacity and his doggedness and ability to, to kind of get downhill um, is huge for them. And then Terry Rozier. I mean, that's they're not lacking. The scary thing is, obviously, that they're doing this without Kyrie and Hayward. But how, how much does that change this team if um, Brown and Tatum aren't out there as much because you've got Hayward as well? I mean, the other alternative here is that you have Tatum, Brown, Hayward out there at the same time, which for defenses, which would be opposing, or opposing defenses would be a complete nightmare. Uh, I think the big story, though, obviously besides Al Horford, his not only his box score contribution because he was 8 of 10 from the field, but all those little things that we were talking about. Uh, there was a couple plays where... Um, you could see that that Brad Stevens had basically pre-switched and in the to take away some of the Cavs schemes to get somebody smaller on LeBron, um, and basically made it to where the switch would end up with Al Horford on LeBron on the short side. Um, and <laughs> that's a lot. I love different. the idea of no matter what, Al Horford just popping up right next to yeah. LeBron. <laughs> yeah, that's basically what they tried to do. Um, and it's like the Celtics version of whack a mole. Yeah, like, ah, <laughs> help and recover, help and recover. Make everybody else beat you. Put your okay, your best was... matchup on him and see what you can do to limit everybody else. But this is one game, and I'm so confused yeah. about the Cavs because two months ago they were terrible. They were, like, playing horrible defense. They didn't know what they were doing. They had just rebuilt for the second time in a year, mm-hmm. and it just looked like they, you know, could barely even bend over to tie their shoes, much less do anything else. And now they just, you know, picked apart Toronto and left their to be corpse fair, on the— Toronto, like, for people who want to say that, that, that the, uh, the Cavs aren't in the— Raptors heads you're you're crazy you don't go in and, and sweep them with with that Cavs roster without being in their heads like I, I know that's, so it's think, crazy to I say mean, that, that without being there blah 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 I'm sorry you do not win 59 games then get swept unless somebody is just completely and totally oh totally and utterly in your head so how do you think the Cavs and Celtics matchup goes? Do you think that it's going to be long, or do you think that the Celtics just have their number and that's going to be it? No, I think it goes long, and I still think the Cavs will find a way to win. I just – it's just incredibly hard for me to doubt LeBron. It, it really is. How many consecutive playoff series has he won in the Eastern Conference now? Is it 24? He wow. hasn't lost well, in the Eastern Conference a, a series since 2011. That's yeah. That's oh hey oh thanks Siri. That's that's great of you. <laughs> <laughs> yelling and Siri's yelling back. Yeah, apparently I was yelling loud enough that Siri picked me up. Sorry, folks. Um, well, we'll have to take care of Siri later. Um, but whoa. We, what are we so talking anyway. about? I'm, I'm, I'm talking about dealing with Siri here. Come on now. Okay, so here's the thing I was thinking about with LeBron. You know how tonight or at the press conference this afternoon, someone said what happened, and then he proceeded to, from memory, recite like the first five exact plays, right? So that coupled with a recent podcast that I think um, uh, David Griffin was on, you know, recalling working with LeBron and talking about how LeBron can learn things on the fly as he's going and simultaneously teach the other players on the court, what they're supposed to do, including players on the other team (laughs) where he was pointing out to the other team, Hey, you're supposed to be over there guarding 
and that guy. So the thing about LeBron is he's like artificial intelligence, except that he's human, yeah. which is so incredible. And he's 6'10", 270. Yeah, I mean, he's basically like the Terminator metal thing, but a human, yeah, no, and, uh, which I, is I even scarier. No pro- for me. Uh, people want to have the discussions about the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan or LeBron, blah, blah, blah. To me, I like, I've watched them both play. Like LeBron, mm-hmm. has, he's that guy. He's bigger, faster, stronger, uh, more versatile. Uh, I mean... Well, I, I believe he brings his whole self to the game. Yeah, and it's not and, just the, the physical stuff. It's like what you're talking about, the, the mental acumen, his basketball IQ. And this isn't to take away or throw any shots at Jordan. I still think people, if you want to say Jordan's the best, fine. That's that's fine. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with your point of view. I just have a different point of view. I just think LeBron and what he's able – I mean, the teams that he's taken to the finals, like you look at the 2008 team, um, you look at what he's done to this team. The, the stats from the last series against the Raptors where he outscored, out-rebounded, out-assisted DeRozan <laughs> and Lowry combined. The two guards. Two all-star guards, and one of them was an MVP candidate. Like, that's just – that's just <laughs> nutty. That it's – Yeah. It, and to do it now in his 15th year. And I mean, I don't want to beat the the 24-hour news cycle that is LeBron Watch or LeBron Wire here. Um, shout out David McKay for doing that. <laughs> but uh, You mean Eric Garcia Gunderson? Uh, I thought Eric had the Celtics. I don't know. I'm getting them all mixed up now. Just shout out David it, McKay. It's hard anyways. when we have to think about all the other. But just in general, David yeah. McKay, shout out to you. Because <laughs> he's our guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just so much that LeBron does and is capable of doing more than just the, the well, he's going to have to do a lot more stuff. than 15 points in a game yeah. moving forward. He does gonna, have one of these. He's going to beat the Celtics. Yeah. He, he always has one of these every playoffs. Um, I don't think All right, well, the Celtics he's had will it. figure it out. Um, the, the magic, po- the, the, the magic answer is Marcus Morris and Al Horford, but I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Well, so real quick, uh, team from the Bay Area versus the Houston Rockets. First game tomorrow night. Can we shoot them both First game, the how sun? do you think it's going to go? Um, I think the Warriors are going to come out and try and embarrass them. Yeah. I think that they, they, they just absolutely try and light them up. Um, the way the the Warriors are talking in the press conferences leading up and stuff, it sounds like they, they want to go in there and, like I said before, assert dominance. I, mm. I think they basically want to want to burn uh, Houston to ash and let everybody just kind of remember and recognize um, who's still running things. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think the Warriors are going to sweep them, but uh, I think it could go as short as five. I I just hope that these uh, that these conference finals end up being a good competition and good basketball. I'm I, just I'm I worried wanna, that I each Houston game is going to be wildly. Well, upsided on either way you know like one team could blow the other one out and then the next game the other team could blow the other team out and i just i i hope it's a we get some uh exciting tight down to the wire games out of it that's great that somebody wants that i want i want houston to get absolutely destroyed (laughs) i I despise that franchise it's just so much I, i don't care how awful it makes me sound i just i want them to get completely obliterated uh, and just I don't think the there's any in. fan base that I dislike that much. <laughs> oh, you just, really haven't spent a lot of time I, around Houston fans, have you? 
I just, I don't know. I, I just, I can't build up that much resentment towards anyone just because I, I put myself in, in their shoes, you know? Like, I'm sure there's all kinds of people. No, that, no, well, no, you don't want to put people yourself probably in People probably ignore shoes. Blazer fans. You don't, you don't want to put yourself what? in those shoes. That's just, it's not a good place to be. It's not a, it's not a healthy mental mental state. It's just, trust All right. Me. <laughs> all right, well, we got, we got one last update, and that is Blazer 5 Gaming. Our esports team, my which, new favorite pastime. Which you're getting <laughs> watching, into. I know. I watched a, a little bit of the the first game of the season. They are now one and zero in league play. They defeated Magic Gaming, and I wish they were called Magic the Gaming. I think that would be a good thing, but womp, it's not. Womp, They're just Magic womp, Gaming. Womp. So Blazers defeated them, and their next game is on the 19th versus the Knicks. Knicks team just beat the Warriors team, I believe. So that's how you know it's video games. What? That's how you know it's a video game. The Knicks are beating the Warriors. Yeah. (laughs) They're also backed by uh, by Turtle. From, uh, they had a Rush, video so. of uh, one Wild Walnut's greatest reactions during the game that mm-hmm. was pretty entertaining. So if people are are looking for uh, content to um, to watch, it's really just him making all these really funny faces and pointing at his teammates and you know doing little dances in his chair. Apparently, the Blazers have like a new chair sponsor too. Speaking of, so, that's uh, exciting. Of, of making content, we're gonna actually we're gonna we should try to have you on uh, on Blazers Outsiders playing a game of uh, okay of two K against me. Are you gonna teach me how to? You're gonna teach me how to play live? Oh, that should be really entertaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, we'll make that happen. Let's see see how that goes. You you can bring your uh, your charcuterie board. You just want to make sure that I never get asked back again, aren't you? You're setting me up, Dan. You're like, yeah, we'll have Tara come on the Outsiders hey, and she'll you play bring a video a game and, and then cheese? she'll do terrible and she'll never want to come on again. No, you bring meat and cheese, we'll beg you to come back. <laughs> I can arrange that. I know see? people. Yeah, see? Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, it, it, it's it's fun. It, I'm glad that more people are getting exposed to the the esports, particularly 2K gaming. Um it's different for sure, and it's not for everybody. But I would, I would, uh, I would ask the people that are that are interested in it to check it out. Um, and if you've got questions, you can you can hit me up. You can hit us up on the podcast, and if it's something you want to hear us discuss a little bit more, or if you want us to shut up about it, <laughs> either way, yeah, um, it's it's just something that's interesting to to kind of figure out exactly what's going on um, outside of the traditional. I asked you a question, basketball. you did not answer me. Which I asked you why there's a. I asked you why. So on the on the Y2K court, you know, the there's Y2K. five players on each side. Y2K, folks. What did I call the, it? The Y2K bug is here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. So, but when they're playing on the court, there's like a referee at the end and on the side, and then there's a bank of empty chairs where, if they were actual people, they would go sit. But I haven't seen them sit, and there's way more chairs than there are players, too. Gotta, so I don't it, understand. It, it's, it's designed that way so that when um, you actually are in a franchise mode or anything like that, there are people actually sitting on the bench, and if you call timeout, they will go to the bench. I But there's nobody on the bench. Yes, because there's only five there in the anybody... game. There's, there's no, if there was a full 12-man roster... But there's they, they six would... players on the team. I'm Where's the you, other guy? He's, he's not sitting there. It's not designed that way. 
if there's if it's a full you know 12 man active roster like when you're playing franchise mode and you're controlling everybody there will be everybody sitting in the seats they don't they don't change the code or anything along those lines to uh to facilitate it for the league so that they just kind of leave it in there Okay, they can make these look completely lifelike and realistic, and they can't rewrite the code to remove the chairs from the floor when there's nobody sitting in them. In in the list of complaints for 2K, that one's pretty low. (laughs) It's just glaring. It's just like staring at me in the face. It's distracting, frankly. For everybody, this is not a joke. This is like, Tara, this hits me up on Twitter out of nowhere. Why is this a thing? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Out of all the things that were going on in a, in a game of NBA 2K, that's the one that got her. I just I just want people to, you know, to know that I am watching. I'm watching carefully, and I'm still waiting on the answer. That was not ever. I still don't get it. We'll, we'll hit up the folks anyway, 2K. We'll hit up uh, uh, Ronnie 2K yeah. and see if we can get his answer. <laughs> anyway, Dan, let's uh, got anything else you want to bring up before we sign off? No, that's it. It's just the usual grind here for me. Uh, got Blizzard Outsiders on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 7 p.m. on NBC Sports Northwest, on NBC Sports Northwest Rip City Radio, and also broadcasting on Facebook Live. So, yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. Yeah, and don't forget to find find the Blazers Edge podcast, like we said at the top of the uh, show on Apple Apple Podcasts. Is that what it's called? Yep, and subscribe if you haven't already, and rate and review. I have a what podcast episode also coming out later on this week, which, if everything goes well, should be a really exciting episode. I'm really looking forward to it. So, keeping my fingers crossed that everything comes through as planned. You can find me on Twitter at tcbbigs and. Oh, don't forget, you can also email us at blazersedgepod at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, what's on your mind over the summer so that we can know what you want to talk about. Dan, go ahead and take us out of here. All right, folks, you can find me on Twitter at DMarang. Same for Instagram and everywhere else, basically for all the social media needs. Um, like Tara said, like, rate, review, subscribe. Rinse, super beat, do it all over again because that's how you win in the podcast game. Uh, for Terrible and Biggs, I'm Danny Ryan. We'll uh, catch you guys later. Bye.